Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. You're listening to a teaching message by Vintage Church in Harker Heights, Texas. Whenever and wherever you are listening to this, our hope is that you are encouraged and challenged by this message and that you are inspired to take your next step with Jesus. For more information, please visit us at vintage.church or follow us on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Hey everybody, good morning and welcome to Vintage Church. Uh, My name is Pastor Dylan. I'm one of our newest teaching pastors here on staff at Vintage and uh, we're just so glad you're here today that you're joining us. You're coming in on the second week of a brand new series that we're in called Hosanna. And it's all about the four faces of the Messiah. And the series we're in is going to go all the way until Easter Sunday. And that's cool because if you didn't know already, Easter is one of the best days that we can invite people uh, to church. It's actually one of the first times that I ever went to church before I was a believer in Jesus. And so we get to invite people to church for Easter as a church. And I know you're probably like, hey, look, pastor, everybody that I know already goes to church. Um, I've already asked so many times, what if they think I'm being pushy? What if they say no? Hey, look, just trust me do it anyway. It's one of the only days of the year that almost anybody that you ask to come to church will come. So they won't. They'll probably come. You probably won't get rejected on this day. So let's do it as a church. We have uh, these little invites called bring invites that you can use. We have door hangers. And for all you fellow introverts like me, we even have the ever passive and easy to use yard signs so you can rep vintage church without ever even having to talk to anybody, right? Come on, somebody. So look, hey, just ask a member um, of our staff after church if you want one of those, and uh, let's do that together. So for now, let's jump into today's message. In the series, we've been learning more about who Jesus is by taking a look at the four faces of the Messiah found and foreshadowed in this Old Testament book of Ezekiel. And so this priest slash prophet named Ezekiel, he saw into heaven and he saw this creature that the book tells us is a cherubim. And Ezekiel, in the first chapter, in the 10th verse, it says, each had a human face in the front, the face of a lion on the right side, the face of an ox on the left side, and the face of an eagle at the back. So of course, These four faces aren't literally like the faces of Jesus, right? We're not weird. Uh, But they represent four different pictures of who and how Jesus is in the Bible. So there's four faces, and then there's four books in the New Testament that talk about the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Nothing in the Bible is by accident. Last week, we talked about the first face, the face of the man, how the book of Luke shows us the humanity of Jesus and how he came to help us understand him and how we uh, can understand and help other people if we listen to them. We learn how to listen the way that Jesus listens. Today, we're going to look at the second face, the face of the lion, as a picture of who Jesus was. So in the book of Matthew, Jesus is actually called the lion of the tribe of Judah. And if you've been coming to church for a while, you've probably heard somebody say before, Jesus is king, right? When you hear that phrase, what's the first thing that you think? If you're like me, you probably just think of this as some kind of metaphor or something, right? 
Uh, maybe you imagine Jesus as somebody who's like some metaphorical king. Maybe he really is king over the whole world, but he just hasn't come back yet to claim his kingdom. But few people realize that Jesus was actually the legitimate king of Israel when he died for us on the cross. He was Israel's rightful king. He was the king of the whole world, yes, but he was literally the physical king that Israel was supposed to have next. That's why Jesus was always going on about the kingdom of God. It's what kings do. They talk about their kingdom. Okay, stay with me here. The book of Matthew begins with a genealogy or a family tree. And I know what you're thinking. The first question that you have is the same as the first question that I had, right? Why would God put some random genealogy in the beginning of a gospel that's supposed to be about Jesus? Why would he confuse us in that way? Let me show you why with a story. I want you to imagine that you're at the airport. Let's say the closest airport to where you're at right now. Maybe you're watching us from home. Maybe you're watching online today um, on your couch, in your bedroom, on your laptop. Maybe you're watching us in person. Whoever you are, picture the biggest airport near you. For us, maybe it's Austin. And you're at this airport with your friend, Kyle. And Kyle has come with you to the airport because your Uncle Karen and Uh, Your Uncle Bill and your Aunt Karen are on their way back from a vacation in Sarasota, and they don't trust the Uber driver, and they won't let the Uber driver take them home anymore because the last time they got Uber, um, they thought he was just kind of rude, and maybe it was just because your Aunt Karen's a Karen, and you're not sure, but this time, either way, they want you to pick them up. So you ask your buddy Kyle, your friend Kyle, if he would come with you to come pick them up, and you show up to the airport, and while you're waiting at the baggage claim for your Aunt Karen and your Uncle Bill to show up, you see a person. You see a man standing at the baggage claim waiting. Maybe he's holding a sign, maybe not, but he's waiting. And suddenly you see a woman uh, coming down off of the stairwell. Maybe it's an escalator, right, depending on which airport you're picturing in your head. And she comes down and she sees him and both of their eyes kind of well up just a little bit with tears and they embrace in a loving hug. Not that big of a deal, right? Happens every single day. Uh, That's probably the the ubiquitous story that we've heard about airports. Uh, That's just what happens in airports. People who haven't seen each other for a while see each other. It's not a big deal. But now I want to paint a bit of a different picture. Let's say your friend Kyle's in the bathroom at the airport, and you stayed outside, and this time you know the context behind the story. You know what's going on in the background. Let's say this time, it's not just a man and a woman to you. You know that it's a brother and a sister, and they haven't seen each other for four years since the sister left to go to Maui on a nursing scholarship to learn more. And she's been helping heart patients there in Maui ever since then. And it's been years since they've seen each other, let alone hugged each other, and now she's back because their dad is dying of a terminal illness, and it's the first time they've seen each other in years, and they have emotions from that and emotions from the fact that it's the last time they're ever going to be able to see their dad again together. Or maybe it's a husband and a wife, and they've been together for years, and and the wife is an artist, and she used to love to paint, right? She used to love to follow her passions, but life happens, and now they have four kids and a trampoline in the backyard, Uh, And one night, the wife goes to bed realizing, maybe I just haven't been true to myself. I love my family, but I left my passion 
behind. So they have a talk and they decide, hey, the husband takes out a second job at a sporting goods store to support uh, her art. And she begins painting and, and, they, and they make a, a studio in the house and she paints and she is just now getting back from her very first art gallery in New York City where she sold her very first art piece. And as they embrace, they think to themselves, it wasn't easy, it was hard, but boy, was this worth it to feel this right now. Maybe it's a military uh, boyfriend and girlfriend. Maybe the girlfriend's been off, has been deployed for quite some time, and they haven't even seen each other since before this pandemic began. They finally get to embrace in arms and they're crying. Or maybe, last one, it's a couple And they grew up together. They've known each other their whole life. And this couple, uh, they knew each other in college. And they've dated different people, but they never quite dated each other. They always had chemistry and always got along, but they just never did. And a year ago, she moved to Washington to take an internship. And after they moved, finally they began to write letters back and forth to one another. And as they wrote letters, a real genuine connection formed because they were writing real genuine letters. Yes, people still do that sometimes. And they wrote back and forth and they fell in love. They weren't just infatuated. They love each other. And they made a promise that, hey, if we still are writing back and forth, if we still feel this connection at the end of this year, we'll see where this takes us. And now it's been a year. She's coming to visit him, coming down off the escalator to where he's at. But what she doesn't know that you do know is that you have a brand new diamond engagement ring that he had a brand new diamond engagement ring in his pocket, just waiting to get on his knee and pose the question to the love of his life. Your friend Kyle, though, comes back out of the restroom, looks at you, crying, eyes red, your face, your tears are just coming out, and he says, what's wrong with you, man? And you say, where were you? You missed so much. And he goes, oh, well, I was in the bathroom, and, and the, you know, I, had, I wanted to try to the, the air thing, because it's cool, and it's a lot stronger, where you put your hands underneath it, and then they're out of paper towels, and it was a whole long story. What's going on with you? And as he tries to talk to you, you say, shh, just watch. Your friend Kyle is unaware of the importance of what's going on, because he doesn't have the perspective that you have. But when your perspective changed, when you learned the background to the story, everything else changed too. Nothing And the Bible is there by accident. And oftentimes, when something seems just a little bit off, there's always something more going on. So what does God say about that something? Today is a story about how God was actually in control the whole time. The book of Matthew doesn't just begin with any genealogy. It begins with a genealogy that proves the royal bloodline of Jesus through his father, Joseph, all the way from Abraham to David to Joseph. And so Jesus is in line for the throne because a long, long time before that, God said to David in the second Samuel and the seventh chapter in the 16th verse, your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time and your throne will be secure forever. But there's a problem. Just a few generations after this, two kings came along, and they became so wicked and so evil that they actually tattooed images of false prophets and false gods. So God said through a prophet in the book of Jeremiah, let the record show that this man Jehoiachin was childless. He is a failure, for none 
of his children will succeed him on the throne of David to rule over Judah. In other words, he would no longer accept this evil. He's never going to let anyone from their bloodline reign again ever. So, we good? If you're paying attention, the question that you ask next that logically comes is, what do you mean, Pastor? Isn't that a contradiction? I thought the Bible wasn't supposed to contradict itself. Didn't you just say, didn't you just get through saying that God promised David his descendants would reign forever? And then right after that, Jeremiah the prophet, so you're saying, so you're saying this one guy said your, your people will reign forever, and then the next guy cursed you and says your people will never reign. There's something more going on. Lean in when something seems off. Back to the book of Matthew. So you're reading this genealogy. We're reading it in the book of Matthew. And it comes all the way down to Joseph, who is not the king. He's supposed to be, but he's not. No one in his family has been the king since these two corrupt kings. How now then can Jesus be the king? He isn't a part of the bloodline of Joseph. Jesus is Joseph's descendant legally, but not biologically. God had him enter into the world through the royal bloodline of Joseph without being tainted by being a biological descendant to this cursed family. God, in his infinite wisdom, planned things hundreds of years apart just so this would happen perfectly. Jesus was the rightful king of Israel the second that he was born into the world. And when he died on the cross, those who crucified him carved a plank nailed above his head that was meant to mock him, saying, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. That's what's in that plank that you see on, on, on Easter Sunday in front of some churches above the big cross in the middle. But here's the thing. They were right. What was intended to mock Jesus was actually a screaming declaration of the truth. And in the book of Matthew, looking back to Old Testament prophecies, the author recollects in Matthew 21, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey. That's exactly what Jesus did. Those of you who grew up in Sunday school, you might remember that story, Jesus riding in on a donkey, right? The anniversary of this very day is coming up very soon. It's coming up next week, Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus rides into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey as palm leaves would have been waved in the air as people said, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Everything is connected, even the sermon. And what does the king do? The purpose of kingship is protection. Kings protect their kingdom. A while back, um, I decided that it was time to get serious and stop eating Christian chicken at Chick-fil-A uh, every other day and become just a healthier person physically. So um, step one was to trick all my friends into doing what I called a wellness challenge uh, with me. And I, I, I got them to do it because I said, hey, um, we're going to do this really fun thing. It's going to be a great challenge for the next three months. Um, I'm going to give the winner a prize. Uh, so we got a lot of people. It might have been 15 or 20 people to start off with. Um, and it worked. Most of them started doing this with me. We walked through the whole thing together. Their competitive spirit and desire to win alone um, got them to do it with me, right? And most of us got healthier in some way, but I was about 50 pounds less. Um, I'm about 50 pounds less today than I was then, but I noticed something. I still have a long ways to go. Um, it's night and day, uh, the way I feel now versus how I used to feel. 
But here's the thing. I realized something after I lost all that weight. I went on Facebook. And y'all, I didn't recognize the person that I saw in my profile picture anymore. I was like, who's this guy? And it, when did he eat Dylan? <laughs> it just didn't even look like me. But I, y'all, I'm still working on my physical health. And I, I get that like I can do better. I get that uh, I have, I'm not where I used to be, but I'm far from where I'm going to be, right? I know all that. Um, but I look like Pooh Bear if he swallowed like a pear. Like I, <laughs> I was just big, right? And, but in my head, I thought I looked like Bear Grylls. Like, I thought I woke up every morning and my wife was just like, mm, you are good, honey. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm blessed to be married to you. Come on, somebody. Um, and and it, <laughs> it's humbling because I, I guess I wasn't. I guess I, I fooled myself. I, I, I did not look like Bear Grylls. <laughs> I looked more like Pooh Bear. Why? Because the easiest person in the world to deceive is the one looking back at us in the mirror. It was easy to deceive my friends into starting this healthy challenge with me. But what happens when the person we're lying to is ourselves? According to God, we actually do it quite a bit. And uh, we need protection even from ourselves. In the book of Jeremiah, the 17th chapter in the ninth verse, it says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And here's the thing, look, you don't need me to tell you this. You know this already, don't you? You know this intuitively. We fall for things all the time. You fell for that pyramid scheme from that girl that you graduated with in high school. Uh, you fell for that extra warranty on your TV, right? Even though uh, you, you knew you should just have an emergency fund. And it would probably never break anyway, but even if it did, you spent more on the warranty than you would have over the last 10 years is having a small emergency fund. You even fell for that one person that you swore that one time to all your friends you would never see again, right? Because he was just toxic for you. And then what happened this year when COVID started and you got a little lonely right back, right? First time that he texted you at 11 p.m. and said, you up? (laughs) It's okay. Hey, we all have a past. There's a place for you here. Come on. We're not judging or maybe you're here and you're like, hey, I, th- I just think if I could get the next thing, then I'll be good. The right house, the right car, the right spouse, that is what will make me fulfilled and happy. Maybe the right cologne or the right clothes or the right truck or the right shoes. Maybe if I get Nikes or the best Adidas, then I'll be the man that I want other people to see me as. Or maybe you're here and you just think, hey, I can enjoy God's plan for sex as much as I want to outside of marriage and it's not going to hurt me at all. I'm not going to get burned playing with fire. Maybe you believe all those things or some of those things only to find out that none of these things have fulfilled the desires of your heart the way you thought they would. We need protection even from ourselves. Sad but true. And there are three truths that we need to know about what happens when we see Jesus as our protector the face of the lion, the protector, number one. Jesus took our sin and gave us his righteousness. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. In other words, when Jesus died for you on the cross, he did not just take your place. He gave you his place. 
He traded your sin for his perfection. He didn't just take your bad things. He gave you all of his good things. And now when the Father looks at you, you don't have to worry about him seeing you through the lens of your sin and the bad things that happen. He sees you through the lens of Jesus' love for you. We're protected through Jesus. Number two, Jesus died for us to free us. It's true that we don't have to worry, but that doesn't mean that we don't have to try. Grace is opposed to earning, not effort. Galatians 2.20 says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. John 10.10 says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus protects us from living a life that's characterized by sin, right? He died so that we we don't just have to learn how to believe the right thing so that we can die the right way. Jesus also died for us so we could live the right way. We don't have to be bound up in bondage and slavery to our sin anymore. We, you, can find freedom from whatever it is that you have been stuck in. But to trust Jesus, it means that we believe him at his word when he says that our sins will hurt us and that practicing his way of living will ultimately help us. And believing that means that now we get to participate with Jesus in a brand new way of living that's infinitely better than anything you've ever thought of or wanted to do or felt before. And three, Jesus saved us so he could send us. Matthew 28, 16 through 20, uh, theologians call this the great commission. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Because Jesus protected us, we protect other people. So that brings us to the question, right? Who is it that you know who's believing the lie that living just to get drunk on the weekends, that living for the weekend after a long work week just to have fun and party is going to fulfill them, right? That that is what's going to make life worth living one day. Who do you know that's believing the lie that being a Christian means that they can just maybe live any way they want to now, that they were just supposed to have freedom in eternity and not in the here and now, that needs maybe a word spoken over their lives about how the way they've been living has been hurting them, damaging them. God doesn't do that thing that our parents did where he says, listen and do this because I said so. We Don't get me wrong, we do things because God says so, but he always gives us a reason. It's because sin hurts us more than we ever imagined it could or would. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God 
has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are now Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So maybe you are here today. Maybe you're watching us online today in your living room. Maybe you're sitting on your couch. Maybe you're in your bedroom with your laptop open. You're here watching this sermon, and maybe you've been believing the lie that the things the world has to offer you are better than the things that God has to offer you. That that affair that you've been stuck in somehow can fulfill you more than the way God says, I am here to fulfill you. Maybe you've been like the people in the Old Testament where God says you've been digging your well and you keep trying to dig your own well with your own rusty shovel to get deep enough to get enough water to last forever and it keeps drying out. Just come back to me, the fountain of living water. I will never dry out. I am for you don't you get it maybe that's you today look it's knowing who jesus is that leads to living the way that jesus lived and when we know jesus as our protector we protect other people because we've been protected too we lead other people in the same way maybe you need to take a next step maybe you need to join a small group maybe your next step is to to regather with us in person again if you're part of our online family right now and Whatever your next step is, let's pray together and pray about taking that today. Father, we love you so much, God. We are so thankful for all that you are doing in us and through us and uh, just through Vintage Church in this season, God. We pray that um, may every single person in our church just come to see Jesus as their protector today. Uh, may we learn the truth that when, when we are people who have been protected by Jesus, that we will then go out into the world, be sent to protect others and teach them that maybe the way they've been living, hey, it's going to hurt you and God cares about you. And for anybody who's, who's listening to this today, Father, we just pray that um, maybe if we've been the ones who have been living in a way that uh, we know hurts us, we know It's like trying to dig an endless hole to get enough water to survive when the water keeps drying out. May we run to God together, Father. May we run to you and believe you at your word when you say your way of living is better. Uh, We pray all of these things in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. You can stay connected with us at vintage.church or on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Here at Vintage, we believe that church is more than a place or a weekend activity. It's a spiritual family where Jesus is the center of our lives personally and our relationships collectively. If you're in the Harker Heights, Fort Hood area, we would love to have you join us this week. You can learn more about us, our service times, and plan your visit by checking out our website at vintage.church. We hope to see you soon.